0: Welcome to the latest installment of Golf Only Better as we look ahead to this week's event on the PJ Tour. It is the Memorial Tournament at Jack's Place, Muirfield Village in Dublin, Ohio. Great to be joined this week by Matt Cooper and Dave Tyndall as we look ahead. Welcome to you both, gents.
1: Hello.
2: Good afternoon.
0: <laughs> now, listen, before we get to this week's Elevated Events on the PGA Tour, let's just take a moment to reflect on Brooks Kepka. What was a sensational performance at the PGA Championship? Dave, I'll start with you. Uh, neither myself, you or Ben picked Brooks uh, for the PGA Championship, uh, but just a word on that performance. How clinical was that display from Brooks?
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. And uh, yeah, in hindsight, why didn't we pick him? I mean, it was... in. An- <laughs> It was in, a, in an area of the uh, United States where he'd done well before, you know, on a on a type of course he'd done well on before. So it kind of looks obvious. So it, I mean, I guess we were thinking the fact that he didn't go through with his effort at the Masters maybe suggested this is a different Brooks Cup because this is the one that's gone to live and can't close out like he used to and not playing competitively with all the big guns, you know, that's going to be to his judgment. But he kept saying all the way through, uh, it's like he said, I had a good think about what I did wrong at the Masters and I would never make that mistake again. And I was thinking, well, it's all very well saying that, but that's just a a sort of mind trick, isn't it, that you're trying to convince yourself. But as it happened, it worked out completely. that's what it took. He thought, nah, that was wrong. I'm going to do it right this time. And he did. It's like, wow. And, And then you realize that Of the the modern-day players, he's the best major player, isn't he? He's just got this incredible fifth, whatever, um, club in the bag um, that makes him, in that situation, the one to beat. And he just seemed to have everybody's number again.
0: It's remarkable, isn't it? Because you you look at, Matt, you look at closers and I know that, comparison with Tiger Woods has been leveled at him quite a lot now, but you look at the modern day player, Matt, and you, you see a guy when he has a sniff and yet he didn't at the masters and maybe he suffered with the injuries. And and without doubt, as we saw in the full swing documentary, he's had some insecurities and, and some self-confidence and some self-doubt issues. But Matt, what do you see with Kepka in majors that that really sets him apart?
2: Uh, uh... I think I can understand um, why Dave Ben and yourself were a bit, a bit dubious ahead of of Oak Hill because even when actually he's won majors, one of his U.S. Open majors came when he had a huge lead going into the final round, and actually that came very close to squandering the whole lot of it. So he's not it, it's not that he is um, impossible to 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 beat as he, as he proved at, at Augusta, but I think what he does have is a bit like. Kind of Jack Nicholas. I don't think Jack Nicholas. We know what Jack Nicholas did. Jack Nicholas said, "Hang around at the top and let other people lose." And I'm not sure that Brooks kept secret is quite that. And and who knows if he has got a secret? It might just be that he's just very clever at letting everybody else think he's got a secret, and that's sufficient to give him uh, something special. But I, I tell you what, I have been considering this uh, this weekend I've, I've just been at sunningdale watching the english amateur championships and 10 years ago i was at the very same spot watching him win open qualifying and he did that the day after he'd won his third challenge tour event in in a matter of weeks to get his graduation to the european tour and i watched oliver fisher play with him and then spoke to him afterwards and he actually said then this guy has got something special he's He's going to win majors. And I kind of thought that's what that's what loads of people say about people who play lots of good golf. But Oliver Fisher was, was bang on the money. And I th- I, I tend to think ultimately, some, sometimes golfers win because they care less than everybody else. Now, I'm not suggesting that Brooks Kepler doesn't care about winning majors. But I think he's almost sussed that everybody else is so scared on that final day. And if he can just get himself in the mindset where I just pretend it doesn't matter, you can let everybody else lose.
0: Yeah Dave it's interesting when you said you know like we talked about none of us called him you think you look at his record in the state of New York and it's like well why didn't one of us mention him but let's we've we discussed it on the pod before the the preview to the PJ championship we've all had doubts haven't we Dave about these guys who've gone to live we've sort of doubted in some cases maybe their focus or their ambition but also they're not playing a huge amount so Honestly, I know it's Brooks Kepka and pr- previous to the PJ Championship, he won four majors. But did it not surprise a lot of people, given that he hasn't been in the major cir- winner circle for a few years, and he is playing on live? He hasn't had as many reps as we may have expected for him to be competing in majors.
1: I suppose the thing with him, what we can't do, we can't just, you know, put everyone in in live into the same basket. They've all got their individual nuances, and I think with him. He's almost a perfect one because one of the advantages of live is that they don't play that often. And to be honest, Brooke, what was Brooks Koepka's career before this? It was just using PGA Tour events as a bit of a, as a warm up for the majors. So he's not one who had to keep the engine running. He he didn't. He always sensed that he wasn't putting it all in for an average PGA Tour event. So it's almost like he's got this mental space now to just totally focus on the majors, and he'll just used Liv as a bit of a warm up, just as he did on the PGA tour. I mean, that was a classic thing in, in betting circles don't back him at short price um, in yeah. an event near a major because he's not bothered. And so he's, his situation is almost perfect, isn't it? Because he's playing in this, so they'll, they'll keep him ticking over, but then he, he comes to the, ma- the majors relatively fresh. Yeah. And, and when that happens, he's, he's massively dangerous.
0: Yeah, Matt, it's true, isn't it? He's he's always talked about how really it's only really the majors that he cares about. And now he's been paid a ton of money to play at Liv and, he's, and he can just turn up at the majors and, and try and pick off a few more. I mean, honestly, he's on five now. Where do you think Brooks will get to in terms of a major tally total?
2: Well, I, I I did hear that he um, he he'd banded around the figure of fifteen. Now, I I I think when he, you you're talking of, of numbers that big, if he's had injury problems in the past, it's very difficult not to to foresee that things like that won't come back. So, so get, getting to fifteen is a hell of an ask. Um, but I I can see him easily winning another three. But I I think I think predicting beyond that is 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 very tricky because you've got to remember as well. There's a lot there's a lot of high quality players around and and once they start getting into when people win majors they tend to win them in in like quite a sweet spot that's that, that for instance i i did some research once and looked at, at where all the maj when when people win more than four or five majors they tend to to win them in a, in a group quite Quickly, and then if they win another one, that very often tends to be the last one because it tends to be a bit of a last hurrah, like Gary Player in the late seventies, Ernie Els when he won uh, Muirfield. Uh, so um, that, for instance, is a big threat for Rory McIlroy because in its essence, he's had his he's had his sweet spot. Uh, so Brooks Kepke, has he's, he's still youngish, but I, I I'd struggled to see him getting up to fifteen, but I, I can see him getting
1: getting to where Yeah, he, yeah Dave,
0: where, where where do you sit and where do you think he'll? If, uh-
1: a few more double digits or what? No chance. No, yeah, it won't, with, it won't like get anywhere near 15. That's a ridiculous comment from from him. <laughs> if he if he won another one, that would be pretty good. Or another two, but as Matt said, there's too many good players around. Um, yeah, I mean, he's will he win an open? I don't know. Um, that takes a bit of luck, doesn't it? No, if he gets to, if he gets to seven, I'll I'll give him a massive round of applause. But fifteen—that's that's ludicrous. Yeah, no, yeah, it's mean, I, I not can all say the motivation like, he
0: needs. Now he's he's going to get a round of applause <laughs> from you if he gets two more. Yeah.
1: that's it. Well, if I say that thing, well, replay this in. Uh, it'll be about twenty years, so I'll probably be <laughs> doing someone else by then. So he won't be able to find me. I, I I tell you what, has I have thought with with these elevated events. And we've
2: already heard a, bit, a few top players on the PGA talking about how they're having to cram their schedule with it. Like Max Homer said, he didn't really want to go and play Harbour Town. Um, mm. We might actually find soon that having started the year saying that live players don't play enough, we're then saying that PGA Tour elite players are playing too much.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, you've, you've looked, obviously, Rory and the, men, the mental health line. He, he, he pulled, you know, pulling out of Harbour Town. Absolutely. And obviously, this week we've got a quality field, haven't we? But we, I agree. I mean, the, this there was the, Dave. This was a reaction, wasn't it? These elevated events were the reaction to live effectively. And if you ask, I'm sure there's going to be some discussion behind closed doors going forward. That actually, yeah, it could it could be seen as too many.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could be draining all the, all your sort of players, as it were. We've already seen in the first two. It's not just Kepka won this one in the Masters. We've seen Deshambo play really well. Um, other live players were up there. Patrick Reed played really well at the Masters. You start to look at the leaderboards and and all these live players that we thought were just, you know, just taking it too easy and would lose their competitive fight. The other side of that, I think, is the stronger force—the fact that they're fresher. Mm. Yeah, I th- I think the, sh- the strange thing that's
2: happened is when I. When Liv was first suggested, it was like the 48 best players in the world playing each other all the time. I thought, what a dreadful idea that is. It's just, it's going to be overkill and we're going to get tired and fatigued of it. And then, never mind the players themselves. But the odd thing is, they've not actually been able to get the top 48 in the world. So so Liv have actually achieved that. But in attempting to compete with them, the PGA tour have created it. And then we've discovered that actually it's quite exhausting. And yeah. it's, it's quite interesting. There's often a connection with World Series cricket which happened in the 1970s, a bit of background, that was a similar sort of um, rebel renegade league. And a quiet thing that's very rarely said about that is at the end of two years of that, the three teams that were playing it, the best players in the world, they admitted they were exhausted and bored of playing each other all the time. And that they're actually, when when it actually came that there was like a sort of approach month between everybody in cricket, those top players were so pleased because they could actually get some variety to the, to the, to the year and the cricket year and, and actually you know, not exhaust themselves.
0: Yeah, look, it's really interesting and I think this will be, we'll be discussing this this year and obviously ongoing with the PGA Tour and how they might tinker and and tweak things going forward. But yeah, it is interesting and obviously much discussion having seen Brooks win at the PGA. Uh, Dave, when we're looking at Muirfield Village, tough test, highly rated golf course. We are going to see the best players in the world competing. How demanding is this layout?
1: Yeah, um, obviously it's, it's Jack's finest creation, um, named after Muirfield in Scotland, his favourite open course, and obviously lots of nods to the Masters as well. It was, it's always, as is Augusta, referred to as a second shot golf course. Um, sometimes that can just be a, a sort of thing label. That's it. But if you look at the numbers, so um, I had a check of these. So the top five players here um, in two thousand and twenty-one were all in the top nine for strokes gained approach. Um, last year, the top of the top nine finishes eight were in the top twenty-five for strokes gained approach. So I think approach play is a really big thing here. That's what Jack kind of wants in his courses. He always gives you a bit of room off the tee, and then it's down to you know who, who is the best iron player. sort of mimicking what he was himself. So yeah, that's that's my way into this looking at strokes gained approach.
0: Matt, for you, what what do you need to do particularly well? What's the real test of Muirfield, and what what sort of player are we looking at?
2: Uh, well, I'd, I'd reiterate what what uh, Dave says because uh, a big thing with Jack Nicholas is he, his his greens tend to be raised; they tend to be a slightly sort of diagonal in in angle. So there's a, there's often like either water hazard or a bunker on the inside of that diagonal, and so throughout the week he can he can test distance control with the with the approach place that's that's why what Dave's saying is so is so important but another key facet and again it's a it's an echo of Augusta National is that he likes he defends Muirfield Village with rapid greens so that that tends to be a a big feature he's also not afraid of adding he's not he's not one of these people who who dislikes thick rough it's not gonna it's not gonna scare him to put that around the fairways and around the greens Um, but, yeah, I, I'm definitely a man who goes looking for uh, it, it, approach play, yes, but also people who've actually done it on uh, Jack Nicholas designs as well, because there does tend to be, there are people who play Jack Nicholas golf courses very well.
0: Yeah. Dave, in terms of, let's have a look at the top of the betting, then favourites for this week, for the m- former memorial at Muirfield Village. In terms of top of the betting, who are coming up as the favourites at this point?
1: So, yeah, um, obviously John Rahm's won here before. Um, and Famously, didn't he? He was six clear and uh, had a positive COVID test. Uh, so maybe he feels this tournament owes him another one. Um, yeah, I suppose we, we talked about the sort of nods to Augusta in the same sort of weird way that Augusta, sometimes it's not the best putter that's needed. Um, it's been a, a similar thing here. So... If you think of the player right now, who's basically striping it best tee to green, better than anyone else. It's Scottie Scheffler. The thing that's letting him down slightly is his putter. So if you put those two things in on this course, it's almost like a perfect fit, isn't it? Someone who's coming in, hitting it incredibly well, but the putter is a bit in and out. Mm-hmm. So it might be that here he might be able to get away with that. So Scottie Scheffler must, I think, be on the sure list and of the top three or four in the betting. Well, Patrick Canley. Obviously, massive uh, course record. Of those top three, then maybe Scheffler, McElroy, and Rama, I'd be siding with Scheffler just on his play at the moment.
0: Matt, it's phenomenal when you look at Scheffler, the consistency as we've alluded, and we talked about it in the last part, I mean, Tita Green, stats are superb, but it's amazing kind of how he's still putting in the performances he is with a putter that, let's be honest, is, is really frustrating him at the minute.
2: It is, yeah, but I, I think he might be another one a little bit, like Brooks Koepka, I mean that that secret. He his approach is different when it comes to 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 getting the wins. But he's almost got to a situation where he says it's not going to affect how I assess the person I am, whether or not I win. And it seems like a very straightforward thing to say that. But lo- lots of golfers literally do judge, you know, themselves by their, their win, and they feel they feel debilitated if they're not able to, to to claim the win. Whereas he's able to walk off and like, well, I played as hard as I could, and I d- it just didn't happen. And that's like that's a fantastic mentality to have. But also, he's in the very lucky place where he just plays so much golf, he contends all the time. I think ahead of Oak Hill, I looked, and I think in seven of his previous nine stroke play starts, he'd been in, uh, within two or three shots after 18 holes or 36 holes and of course he did it again at Oak Hill so he's just getting in contention lots a little bit like Jack Nickers hanging around letting other people fret and if, if you're in contention that often you learn lessons about how to be in contention you're also just by sheer dint of being there so often you, you might win when other people make a mess of it but if people who are never in contention very often it, it matters so much more to them to actually mm-hmm. have a go at, at trying to win so it the, the advantages. is a sort of incremental when you're you're getting into that that uh, state so often and actually his his to green greening is so good like you say it me- means that you know eventually he's going to have a good putting round and that's when he tends to mop up the um, mop up the winds it's essentially what dave said actually there about the about the putting and and how augusta and possibly here you don't need to be a good putter it's always been a weird little thought process mind that when when greens are quick you would think that better putters rise to the top and yet often it, it doesn't seem to be that way and it's almost as if slightly slower greens actually ask bigger questions of putting technique so uh, Dave's kind of intrigued me though I, I would have had difficulty picking one from the top at the moment and they've kind of has persuaded me a little bit with Scotty Scheffler I would however uh, respect Patrick Cantley at the moment I always think Patrick Cantley is a bit like one of those sort of fast bowlers who needs a little bit of help in the pitch or a little bit of help with the conditions to do and in his case it tends to be like a Jack Nicholas course he's almost he's almost like he's almost an England worthy scene bowler but eventually eventually I think he will get there in the majors and he'll work it out but at the moment his sweet spot seems to be just that sort of little layer that elite level competition but not actually major level yeah so yeah
0: so yeah so Scotty you agree and Patrick Cantley? you'd be he'd be one of your He'd be up there for a, a pick, a favourite pick
2: for you this week. I, I, I don't know. Wh- I don't know whether I would pick Cantley because I just think his price is a little bit too short this week. Given, I, I, you've got to respect him. There always has to come a point where you say, "Am I going to back him, uh, given what the price is?" And I think he's just a little bit too short for me this week. I, I, if I was going for somebody near the top, I think I would actually go with Jason Day, who's just a little bit um, below um, that top rank. That top rank. He's he's a he's a double winner on Jack Nicklaus golf courses. He's finished. Uh, the fourth and seventh in his last two starts in your village. And, I, and like we say, he's, he, he won recently and you know, the the podcast is a big admirer of, of Jason Day's qualities. So I I would actually go with him just because you, you're getting him at a, a better price each way.
0: Yeah, Dave, that's a good shout. Obviously we've been, we've been touching on him on the podcast and with the last sort of few editions. he's been coming into form and nice to see him get the win. Obviously. Um, in Texas, and what about Dave's chances this week, where do you see him in terms of betting odds and, a, and and giving him a shot this week at Muirfield?
1: Yeah, I thought it was quite easy to predict that he would miss the cut at the uh, USPGA, because he just sounded absolutely wiped out by the enormity of getting the win, just took a lot out of him, emotionally and physically, to be honest, uh, so I'd ignore his missed cut there, and I think yeah, he's ready to to play well uh, here again. He's not always been that great at this course. Um, I think his price is about correct for what it is. So the, the one I'd like a, a bit further down as more of a sort of genuine each way price is Ricky Fowler. I think if you look at, at his form, I mean, it's, it's been good for months. I mean, you, you run through at 11th at Torrey Pines, 10th in Phoenix, 13th at the Players, 10th at the Texas Open, 15th at the Heritage, 14th at Wells Fargo, and then 6th last week. It's almost like he's in the waiting room. He's just hanging around. He's always going to get a top 20. Last week, he steps up to finish six, And now we get him to a course where he's twice a runner-up at Muirfield Village, 8th um, as well. Even 2021, when his game was sort of losing, uh, he was losing a little bit. He was 11th there. Um, and then on the season-long stats, he's a ninth for strokes gained approach. So Ricky Fowler really just ticked the boxes for me. His short game was brilliant last week as well. I think he was first for strokes gained around the green. A 33-1, I think, is a really good each-way prize. It seems like golf's gone a little bit retro in recent weeks. You've got Kepka winning a major, Day winning. So why not have Ricky Fowler a sort of... And we all think it's sort of 2016 again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I tell you what, Matt, it'd be one of the most popular winners, wouldn't it, if he? if he was to get back in the winner's circle anytime soon. This would be a special week to do it. You know, I remember the Players' Championship a few years ago, still one of the best finishes, I think, certainly to that championship, to any tournament I've ever seen, that birdie blitz and eagle blitz down the, down the stretch. But he always had that label, hasn't he, of being a bit of an underachiever? And now he's got that consistency. Do you think he can turn that consistency into another victory on the PGA Tour?
2: I, I think I think what you said about how it would be very popular if it happened is is spot on. It, it uh, me and Dave used to have a thing where when we we're at, at tournaments, if there was somebody dressed in orange, we used to have this hashtag on Twitter like "Rubbish Ricky Fowler," <laughs> and and we sort of take photographs of them. And and but the the thing is it. it Years on, he's he's not really put the performances in until this season. People are still doing it. People people still wear orange just just to try and attract the attention of, of Ricky. Uh, and I I I bizarrely once sort of got uh, was in a lift with Ricky Fowler and his wife and Bernard Langer. One of the oddest little experiences of my life. And th- the loveliness of Ricky Fowler and his wife were just shone. And so I I'm I'm right there in the in the in the uh, Ricky Fowler fan club. So uh, yeah I would I would be uh, chuffed if it was him. and I think Dave's, Dave's right he's kind of trending in, in all the right directions.
0: There's not a nicer man in golf. Maybe Tony Fina but I think Ricky Fowler for me you just don't ever hear a bad word. You see how he interacts with media, with fans, with little kids around tournaments. He's just an absolute joy and he's just he hasn't changed a bit. I think he's an absolute class act. So yeah I think Ricky gets all our votes. And uh, Matt for you what about an each way though each way bet. For this week at Muirfield, Uh,
2: I'm I'm very very keen on another Australian, and and that's Lucas Herbert. Um, I was on him recently when he won in Japan, and the reason I was backing him is because I think he likes Jack Nicklaus golf courses. I. Lucas Herbert is a very good golfer, but I don't think he's necessarily somebody who will sh- show up in a lot of stats. I think he's one of these guys at the moment who uh, you have to identify where he likes playing and that brings the best golf out in him. Uh, so he won at Mount Juliet, the Irish open uh Jack Nicklaus golf course. That course out in Japan was a Jack Nicklaus golf course. He even managed to win that without actually having a practice round. That's how that, I was going to say, that's how much he likes Jack Nicklaus golf course. I think that's a slight fluke, but, um, but he's very good. Now, I'm also going to go slightly against what I said earlier and say that you don't need to be a red-hot putter on lightning-fast greens, but Lucas Herbert is a fantastic putter, so that that's in his favour as well. And I, I think sooner or later Lucas Herbert is going to do something on the PGA Tour where when we now know how good he is in Europe because, of course, he also won the Dubai Desert Classic. Uh, so he's a confirmed winner um, this side of the Atlantic. Uh, I think sooner or later he's going, he's going to do something special. And, He's one hundred and fifty to one um, this week, and I think he can he can really feature. He has also he has also, by the way, had a top twenty at Mealfield Village, so you know he's he's not he's not a complete uh, roughie on the course.
0: Good stuff, yeah. Nice Dave, for you. Where's some of the value in the betting in terms of a play with some of the big odds, some outside, some huge odds that maybe we can take a little bit of a punt on this week?
1: So uh, a couple more. I'm not so sure you can call it huge odds, but Adam Scott is 66 to one. I thought that was a nice price. I mean, yeah. he's, he's got a second, a couple of fourths and a fifth here. The second was 2019. Um, I think he's only missed one cut ever since he's been coming here. That goes back to 2003. And then we've just seen him. We pop up in recent weeks um, and play some nice golf. Fifth at Wells Fargo, eighth at the Byron Nelson. Not too bad at the PGA, he was 29th. That wasn't a, a brilliant effort, but not too bad. And the thing, if you if you look at his numbers, the problem was, and this is is strange when it comes to the his, history of Adam Scott, You always thought of him, of him as an elite ball striker. Um, but some of his numbers were, were pretty appalling for him, really, like losing seven shots on approach at the Players' Championship, six at the Masters. And he thought, this isn't the Adam Scott we would think of. And then the last three events, Wells Fargo, Byron Nelson and the PGA, there's been a real massive change around in his approach uh, numbers. And I just think that sets him up perfectly for this. So I thought 66-1 uh, was a good price on his. That's a lot of Aussies we're going for this week, isn't it? And then yeah. um, fi- finally won a, a big prize, nearly an Aussie, but don't ever say that to a, someone from New Zealand. But uh, Ryan Fox... I mean, if you look at him, he's I talked about Ricky Fowler being in the sort of waiting room. Ryan Fox is knocking out top 20s all the time. He just likes he's on the bridge of like a real big breakout performance. Yeah. Um, he's a three-figure price. But I mean, he had that amazing season on the DP World Tour. It's like he's come to um America and just started to bed in a little bit, but but now his results are really consistent. And he had that. A pneumonia issue as well, didn't he? So he's got his strength back. He's played well in the last major. Yeah, I, th- I think someone who could creep onto the leaderboard a, a big each way price.
0: Yeah, I like that. I just become a dad again as well. But yeah, you, you look at what well, quality player. I remember the President's Cup. He was. Do you remember that when he was miffed not to get a pick for the yeah. President's yeah. Cup? He'd been playing well before then, and I think he's just almost been proven a point ever since great player and yeah like that. Nice price for Adam Scott as well. That surprised me given how well he's been playing recently. Um Matt for you anyone else in terms of an outsider to look out for this week?
2: Well I would I'm sort of stuck a little bit with, about whether he's an HY price or just take take uh, there's a guy 250 to 1 this week but you can also get 320 on the exchange at the moment. I think that might even go a bit, a bit, a bit bigger, and you could back him. And I, I, think there's a possibility he's gonna, he's gonna shorten during the, during the week, and that's Sepp Straker of, of Austria. Uh, he won on a Jack Nicklaus course on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, he finished twelfth at Montreux, another Jack Nicklaus course, early in his PGA Tour career. He won at PGA National, yet another Jack Nicklaus course, and then he was seventh at the PGA Championship when his, his long game stats were really quite good. And a lot of people liked him last week at Colonial off the back of that. I think he's got a little bit more space this week. And I think that'll, that'll work, yeah, work to his uh, his advantage. So he'd be the the final person I'd add. I, w- I was also interested in Adam Scott. So yeah, I, I, I back up everything Dave said about, about Scott. When you bet fair on racing, you get daily rewards. So any day can be a big deal. Like with our racing multiples offer. So if you like to dabble in doubles or flirt with lucky 15s, get extra places on horse racing any day this week. Daily rewards with Betfair. are not each way market only. Place part of each way bet. Settle at 1.5 odds. Selected UK and Ireland races. T's Supply, 18 plus be
0: So in summary, Dave, just reminders: us, favourite each way and outsider pick for this week?
1: Yeah, so I'd go Ricky Fowler. Um... As my well, yeah, I'm going to ignore the sort of very front end. Ricky Fowler's is my main pick, I think. Yeah. Adam Adam Scott's my each way, and then Ryan Fox is someone a, a big outsider.
0: Nice, fantastic. And Matt, for you, just a reminder in summary.
1: Um, like
2: Dave, avoiding the top, going Jason Day. I might cheekily piggyback on uh, on uh, Dave's Adam Scott, but um, <laughs> in reality, uh, Lucas Herbert and uh, Sepp Straker Straker. I'm changing my a bit like Jose Marathabal, I changed my mind. How to say Straker and Straker all the time? Yeah, <laughs> Straker,
0: okay. Straker,
2: Straker, yeah. striker.
0: I like, I like the pronunciation, then Matt. I, yeah, I enjoyed that. listen good stuff thank you very much indeed Uh, so there we go our preview uh, to uh, Muirfield Village uh, for the Memorial Tournament this latest event this latest elevated event on the PGA Tour hope you enjoyed our latest pod big thanks to Dave and Matt Uh, please remember to gamble responsibly Uh, enjoy the week and we'll be back with you very soon bye for now